come. Walk down the winding path. Don't mind the spooks and monsters. They stay hidden within the trees. There are mysteries in this world that you need to know, and paranormal truths that need to be told. Come, step up into the caravan while we share tales of old, as well as new accounts about things you thought only existed in your nightmares. Thank you for stopping by the Caravan of Lore. Please take a moment to review our presentation and rate us on your favorite listening platform. And remember, you can be an integral part of the show by becoming our patron. You can follow us at the Caravan Library of Lore group page on Facebook or the Caravan of Lore on both Instagram and Twitter. If you have had an experience or peculiar event happen to you, please feel free to share. Just visit for all the information just mentioned at caravanoflore.com. Tonight we revisit a vintage episode when Linda Godfrey stopped by the Caravan of Lore. Myself, we met at um, up in Elkhorn, Wisconsin. I think that was about a year ago at the Historical yeah. Society, and I was right. so happy when I turned around because you know I had to take front row, and I I just had this big smile on my face when I turned around and I saw that the room was standing room only. Um, oh, you, you drew in such a wonderful crowd of people, and the stories that you shared, and I was. I'm hoping that you would share the story, which I will call it the mist. Um, it was a couple of pictures that you showed the audience that I don't think many of our listeners are very familiar with. Would you mind sharing that story with us? Well, actually, it's a series of stories. Um, it's And it is detailed in my Monsters Among Us book, just in case I don't get to all points or, or the listeners are more curious mm-hmm. about it. But um, it was something that began showing up in trail cams um, on a regular basis at this um, hay farm that I've been, where I've been assisting the property owner for several years, because he started having weirdly mutilated animals, um, and he happens to be right out by Bray Road, and he's a retired physics and math teacher from Chicago or the Chicago area, and had never heard of the Bray Road. And he started asking the neighbors, you know, what? why am I finding like a raccoon with a slit from its throat down to its lower parts and the insides neatly scooped up and laid beside it? And they would kind of laugh and say, well, you live right where the beast of Bray Road is. Not on Bray Road, but right in that vicinity. And so he looked it up and found me, and I began assisting him. And we realized that uh, right from the get-go, Every once in a while, the trail cams would show what we call the mist. Now, by that, I don't mean an actual, you know, waterborne, uh, foggy type of mist, but it's some sort of a translucent substance. Because it doesn't matter if it's sunny or rainy or whatever the weather is, it'll, it'll still show up, but it's not visible to the naked eye. And uh, one of the first cases happened when he decided to 
find out what sort of thing was mutilating these smaller animals on his farm by bringing in some bigger ones. And so he began collecting deer carcasses, roadkill, from uh, certain spots in Illinois. And at the time, um, it was very legal for him to take a roadkill one with a permit, put it on his own truck, truck, drive it to Wisconsin, and put it on his own property. And he had a 60-pound deer that was laid in approximately the same spot he had found that raccoon on a tree line to the um, one of the edges of his field, and he had set up a trail camera that was motivated by heat and by um, motion, uh, maybe about six feet or so from it. So when you view the when, when you view the film, and I think I had some of this particular one in my book. Um, and I've put other ones on my blog. When you view the film, there's nothing happening, nothing happening. You can see the deer, the deer legs are just kind of lying there, sticking out. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, and this is daylight, this translucent column-shaped form that looks, it just looks like mist that's been, you know, mm-hmm. jello molded into a form, sort of. And it's only, it's a little more amorphous than that, but, but pretty much a column shape has formed over that spot right over the grass where the deer is so that it's the deer is blotted out you can't see the legs sticking out anymore and it stays there for about half an hour and shoots maybe oh 90 some shots because um this particular one i believe was taking three shots a second so it's like bing 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 and then something else rips it off for a solid half hour and then all of a sudden there was like there was no fading of the substance or anything like that. Suddenly, there's a new photo, and it's gone. It's completely gone. Everything is sharp and clear again, and the deer legs are also gone. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> when he went out and discovered this, um, he didn't realize you know, the mist was there immediately. He saw the deer was gone, and he's like, huh, where's the deer? And he had a friend with him. And they saw that there were large five-toed canine tracks leading away from that spot over and through a barbed wire fence into the adjoining field. And then the track continued, and they were only hind leg prints. They were only, it, it was a bipedal mm-hmm. um, creature, you know, walking on its hind legs, and evidently must have been carrying that deer carcass either over its shoulder or somehow in its two four four limbs four limbs I should should say which is mm-hmm. pretty creepy right. but he was he's pretty brave he's he's a big guy he's about six foot two and he had his friend with him and they tracked it all the way across this other field till it came out at a road and then they lost where it went and were creeped out enough that they decided to return and this sort of thing happened several times and then I found out from um, another researcher and also from another incident that this was not the first happening of uh, the column-shaped translucent substance forming and appearing right. over a carcass. Um, right. And that, that started creeping me out. And since then, I have found really numerous other references to it in other researchers' books that I hadn't seen or didn't know existed. And I guess, you know, it's a thing. <laughs> it's it's not just like a one-off happening. It's it's something right. that that right. It, it's not like there's no there there is a there there in other words right. and oh. there, the same translucent substance sometimes it's colored 
um, has shown up to different people around the area, too. Um, there uh-huh. is a man who is a retired Racine County uh, sheriff's deputy, just recently retired, um, retired early. He's not elderly or anything. And there's a place in Burlington, Wisconsin, which is maybe 10, 10 miles east of Bray Road. It's not very far. Um, that has all manner of strange happenings. It's a, it's a um, kind of a nature preserve right out of town. And it's very marshy, and there's a hilly woods um, that locals call the Burlington Vortex because very strange things happen there. And this patrolman had um, decided to go and park in the gravel driveway right in front of the marsh next to that vortex woods because he was looking for a quiet place to sit and write his reports and do his computer work. So he's sitting there, and again, this is daylight. He's got his computer on, and you know all the things are humming in the squad car that you'd usually have on. And all of a sudden, something catches his attention, and he looks up over this vast marsh that that or marsh, excuse me, that he's parked in front of, and he sees this green-tinted, translucent substance with kind of defined edges around it. It wasn't just like some amorphous normal mist that sort of hangs around. It was a defined translucent substance that was heading right for him and his squad car. You know, and he was pretty taken aback and he, he sat there trying to think what it was, you know, because it's coming right across the marsh, not deviating straight for him, hits the squad car, and as it does, it rolls right through the squad car and everything electronic shut off. The ignition went off. The computer went off. Yeah, can you imagine? And you're sitting out there, you know, sure, he's armed and everything, but what are you going to shoot? You know, it's it's a mess. Yeah, right. Right. And as he's sitting there, it, it went through the car, and then it turned. It made a right angle turn, which anybody who's watched a fog roll in, know anywhere, knows that they, you know, they're not defined masses right. and they don't take right angle turns. Right. This thing took a right angle turn, which happened to be on the path that leads up to this woods that's called the Vortex Woods, where there have been sightings of of uh, Bigfoot and um, I think I think perhaps, well, not right uh, in there, but nearby of the uh, dog man or wolf man or whatever you wish to call him. So mm-hmm. he realized later that he also was missing some time from this episode mm. that he couldn't explain mm. about 20 minutes. And just in that time, you know, for, for him it was a seamless movement of the thing coming, rolling over his car and then exiting up the path. But now he thinks it stayed in the car. He was not conscious mm-hmm. of time pass during that, that period. And then it went up the hill. He actually had a, hmm. this happen to him a second time. Maybe he speculated maybe it was because it had marked him somehow or he knew it. But um, Burlington, Wisconsin, has two lakes. There's another one on the other side of town. So he thought, well, this time he'd like to park near water or natural scenes, you know. And he thought, well, this time I'm going over to that lake. And I'm staying right by the water. So he did that. And again, he sees this mist coming toward him. And the same thing happened. Came right wow. through the car, shut off the electronics. And he had, uh, I think, a shorter period of missing time, but it was still missing. And oh. this, color, yeah, this slightly colored mist, again, I found when, you know, when you're not looking for something, you can have a book for 10 years and, and just keep passing by the same thing that's in there. Mm-hmm. I started realizing and, and seeing the same exact thing, usually either a greenish tinted mist 
or just translucent, um, occasionally maybe a, a golden color. And it, mm-hmm. in every case, it does the same thing. It will roll in, roll through, um, shut off electronics, and then keep going or, or do something else. It's it's not just a singular thing from this one little area mm-hmm. in Wisconsin. Wow. Yeah, it makes me wonder if it's, you know, absorbing electronic energy of some sort you know, to feed. Right. Uh, who knows? Yeah, who right, knows? Like, vampire, like, like an energy vampire. Right, right. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Thank you for doing that. But yeah. but still, now I would be terrified to have something like that. And I, I don't know, I may just move into a concrete bunker 12 feet below <laughs> ground and live there for, I, you know, it's very... Uh, it's just a scary moment altogether, but well, did, I remember reading that story, but wow. Uh, well, he did retire early and move to another state. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I can't he, say I blame him. <laughs> no, no, but oh. he and his partner, between the two of them, uh, saw a total of four different upright wolf-like canines during the time that, that, that he served, and uh, two of them were in, there's a very vast nature preserve kind of on to the east of, of Burlington called the Bong mm-hmm. Recreation Area which people right. shouldn't laugh refers to Richard Bong who was a um, mm-hmm. World War II highly decorated war hero and aviator right. and this is kind of a strange little thing in itself because that was intended by the government to be an Air Force base and right. they, were go- they were going to be watching um air traffic and and it, they had it all set up to be a very high-tech place had it all set to go had dug all these underground massive uh, tunnels beneath the surface and the day before they were supposed to pour all the concrete for all the runways so for some reason that project was just shut down just stopped they um, covered up most of the holes not all of, I know people who used to after that was closed, um, area teens decided it was a great party place. And I, I literally know people who used to go there and party down in those tunnels. You can't get mm-hmm. in them anymore. But the local the local legend about it or the local rumor about it was that the, pe- the government people who came out to actually inspect it before the concrete was laid saw things that they did not want to be out and about. In other words, those tunnels were inhabited by things running around. Now you can put two and two together and think, well, this guy who's parking at odd times out at this this um, now nature area saw two unknown upright canines as if this was sort of their territory. It was kind of how he felt. Um, and then we had these huge tunnels. They, they probably have hidden openings, I would guess, that not all of the openings were, you know, large, sealable doors. Um, because mm-hmm. you, you normally have air vents and things like that that right. most most people wouldn't get in and out of, but other things perhaps could. So you can put two and two together and kind of come up with your own ideas. Well, sure. <laughs> you know, I, I've been out to the Bong Recreation Area a number of times. Of course, you and I don't live that far apart from each other. Um, but I've been out there a number of times to watch the hang gliders out there uh, because there's a hilly area, and it's, it's right. great for those that do hang glide, but I had no idea the history that was involved there, you know, may have 
taken a bit of a closer look. Not that I would be volunteering to go into any one of those tunnels myself without, you know, an entire team to go in there also. But wow, that's fascinating. Right. Now I'm now I'm starting to wonder: Are these you know subterranean dwellers, and that they come out at night? Do you know if e- either one of those two? Um, retired officers if they continued their investigation into what these are or did they just witness it and that was enough for them um well they kind of began to be on the on the lookout you know at one time both of them saw one of the upright creatures in the kettle moraine state forest um uh-huh. well they were they were actually out looking for turkey hunting places um and then as they were kind of planning um, both of them to retire, and um, I did quite a bit of field work with them both before, and, and I've um, I've been uh, to where he retired up there, and with my husband, and so I've I've been in the field with with uh, both of them a fair amount, and they're still actively um, looking. They both have seen, well, especially the one who had the green mist, has seen mm-hmm. uh, Bigfoot a couple of times too. Wow. Twice it was just real full out views. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um some some people just it's like once you become aware of certain anomalies, it's like you form a two way street and they are aware of you. And I hear that over and over again. I have found that um to be happening if I'm not careful in my own life. You know, I um I have experiences I try not to um connect with them <laughs> too strongly, you know, because you right. may not like right. the effects. And, and a lot of people report illness. And and uh, my health, frankly, oh, you know, over the past decade has not been, I've had some really um, strong health challenges. And you mm-hmm. just have to wonder, I can think of other reasons that I would have them, but, but then you just have to wonder sometimes how much uh, worse it was or how much right. these things do do influence. Right. No, and I do know a number of people and stories um, where they have experienced some physical anomaly that is not normal after they've had a specific type of an encounter. And it, it just, I I have a feeling that all this stuff is linked together somehow, that there's a common thread that ties, you know, the UFO sightings, the orb sightings, the mist, the Bigfoot, and the upright cane. I, I just, I have this overwhelming compulsion to say I believe that there's a there's a connecting string between all of this that ties it all together not that it's all from the same place but kind of right. like the domino effect where one thing is affecting the next and it just moves down the chain and somehow we're on the outside of that as an observer uh, watching all these things that we don't understand and Right. Wow. It certainly seems that way. I mean, you really, mm-hmm. you really have to um, start thinking that. And you know, the Monsters Among Us book. One of the things that I did um, toward that end, because I, I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking, what if every report that we had, at least those where people exactly knew the date, where it wasn't like 20 years ago and they weren't sure, you mm-hmm. know, even what time of, of uh, year it was anymore, but where they know the date and they have a specific location. You can go online now and use all these wonderful tool, tools, New Fork and MUFON and, and uh, BFRO, all have uh, massive databases where you can find um, 
whether there was a UFO report in that vicinity at that time, mm -hmm. whether there was um, a Bigfoot scene. Um, you can go mm -hmm. to government sites and find out whether there were solar flares. You can discover what phase the moon was in. And for every account like that where I had a specific date and place, I went and did those things. And uh, it was kind of cool. I actually was was having fun finding these correlations, and it was surprising how often they did show up. And, you know, I discovered that solar flares, um, brightness of solar flares, seem to have mm -hmm. more influence than the phases of the moon. And within the phases of the moon, um, the moon phases at three-quarters size were much more frequent than full moons, which surprises a lot of people. Yeah, I remember you telling us that at that conference, and uh, yeah, I was kind of taken back by that too, but, you know, again, okay, so the full moon has, you know, a, a, a greater gravitational pull on us, but that might not be what what it actually is that would create a little bit more of activity. Sure, three-quarter moon, why not? Maybe that's the perfect amount of gravitational pull to create this activity. Who knows? But yeah, I found that fascinating too when you brought that up for the first time. I'm like, hmm. And the Monsters well, Among Us book, I'm actually, uh, I have started that again. I went through the whole book and now I'm hitting stories here and there. I, you know, it's a fascinating read. It really is. Thank you. Great collaboration you. of stories. You know, great collaboration. Do you have a favorite? Just out of curiosity, do you have a favorite of story that you may have put in any of your books? Oh, wow. <laughs> or, um, it, or what's your favorite child, Linda? <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. You know, it, it really is hard to say because I've just encountered some amazing things and people have shared such extraordinary experiences with me over the years. Um, I mm -hmm. I do have to say I some of the ones that have happened to me personally, you know, I can't help being most affected by because it happened to mm -hmm. me, you know, and, and I knew right. what it was, you know, where I've had, well, you had mentioned before, and since we're on this topic of the farmer field and uh -huh. the, the mistype things, where um, in that same field, the owner and um, a colleague of ours and I all witnessed a white spheroid lighted object that came right up to our car and maybe if you'd like I could tell about that one. Oh, absolutely please do because I love that story and I know our listeners will too well because it seems you know that that field has so much anomalous light activity and he had the owner has literally thousands of trail cam photos where something is setting it off we don't know mm -hmm. exactly what and um, many times they do appear in uh, and seem to be in connection with uh, fresh carcasses that are put out. And at this time, and I believe it was um, about two years ago, it was in August two years ago, um, he had set out probably one of, the la one of the last of his car carcasses that he put out, and it was a larger one. It was a nice 180-pound deer in good shape, and nothing was touching it. Now, normally, when anything like that is out there, you know, you've, especially in this kind of um, very rural area, there would be different kinds of, of raptor birds, um, skunks, raccoons, coyotes, you name it. Everything that comes along and feeds on carrion will be there. Nothing was touching this. And I said to the owner one day, I said, you know, 
maybe there's something bigger coming out and scaring away all these other things that would normally be coming to eat it. What if we sat out for a few hours after dark, you know, and, you know, I'll get another pair of eyes and we'll just watch and see if we can spot anything in the field. So we did that and we had, we were actually sitting in my colleague's car. He was a, he was in the front seat. These are, these are two big guys with long legs. So I, I let them sit in the front and I sat, I'm, I'm quite short. So I sat in the back where it doesn't bother. I kind of like to be able to look out the rear view window anyway, because I'm convinced right. that things come up behind you when you're least expecting them and everybody's always looking forward. So, so we're sitting uh, out there. You're a really smart girl there, Linda. <laughs> well, if you, if you listen to animal stories for any, and I seek out, I really do seek out uh, true stories of known animals so that you can understand how regular animals behave so you know when you are seeing something that's out of the ordinary. So anyway, we're sitting out there and um, it was a nice evening We could with very clear visibility and I was kind of watching there was um, a line that was sort of a regular flight pattern that looked like of airplanes coming along over the, the tree line and we were on the opposite side of the field where the carcass was set and I was watching these lights and all of a sudden one of the lights stopped just in midair and then it went backwards not just like a little jiggle but I mean it definitely stopped and then it definitely moved backwards as if it was zipping along and kind of went huh what's that sitting over there <laughs> and, and we kept describing feelings to it like that which was weird also but I said guys that thing right there is not an airplane and they both looked, and when the three of us laid our attention upon it, which may have been significant, I don't know if these things are, um, you know, awakened by human attention or consciousness, has been suggested by some other researchers, it started heading at a slow, steady rate right across the field for us, sort of like the way that green mist, the, col the column or shapes, came across the field or the marsh to... Um, the deputy. It was coming straight across the field for us at a level height. It wasn't zigzagging. It wasn't, you know, doing anything or floating around like you'd expect if it was marsh gas or, you know, some explanation like that. And we were just, and it didn't take all that long either. And so while it was coming at us, we we're all just trying to get a fix on it. You know, we're saying things like, what is that thing? Did you, do you see what it's doing? And, you know, where it's coming for us. And, you know, the Tension is sort of building, and then all of a sudden, it stopped. We estimated 25 to 30 feet away from the car, and maybe about the same amount in the air. And it looked to us like it would be about the size of a basketball if you could jump up and and hold it, which none of us were wanting to do. And no. it just no. it just no, it just stopped and was staring at, well, it wasn't staring because it didn't have eyes, but we all felt that it was observing us in some way. And mm -hmm. I was just putting the camera, you know, because of course I'm holding my, my camera and I'm just putting the camera to focus and get a good shot of it when um, our colleague felt motivated to pick up this giant flashlight, they, I think they call it a, a, a torch light, um, and stick it out the window, his, his uh, driver's side window was down and he aimed it at this thing and when the light hit it you would expect if this was just some sort of strange reflective light or some you know evanescent mist that it would have changed it or made it go away or something like that 
it didn't. It was just the light shining on this thing, and it just, we felt that it was surprised. We felt that it was hesitating, and then it sort of jittered a little bit was kind of the word that we all agreed, described it, and then it sort of, the, the light went out from inside of it, kind of like the, um, you know, the new curly light bulbs that we have where you they sort of power mm-hmm. on and power up. This sort of powered down, you know, and then it was just gone. It was just gone. And the property owner, Lee, yelled at the top of his lungs, and he's, he's not really a yeller type of man. He said, that can't happen in physics. You know, that is not possible <laughs> with modern with physics. Because right. he just went. He was gone. And the colleague who was holding the uh, the torch got out of the car. He said he wanted to just see if it had somehow fallen, if it was some object that had fallen behind these uh, bushes that we were parked nearby. So he got up, he walked around, he came back, he looked just deathly white. He got, sat down and he said, I feel completely sick. I have to leave right now. And mm-hmm. so we, and, he, and I, like I said, he's this big guy who's used to being in the outdoors. And so mm-hmm. we left at that point. I would have just as soon stayed a bit, but he was probably wise. He might have, he might have saved us from getting, you know, um, kidnapped or taken or what who knows you know yeah or a mist rolling over us or abducted mm-hmm. who knows so that was probably mm-hmm. the right thing to do but um we left and it was just one of the strangest experiences of my life because it was totally unexplainable by normal means that we know according to our present day science you know, and the scientist with us was well aware of that, and he just freaked out. He couldn't, and, and I mean, that's even considering these years of really, really odd things that he has seen on his property. So, and right. he actually just, he actually just started his own um, blog. And if you go to WordPress and into the type, into the search engine, type Lee, that's L-E-E, and then his last name was Hampel, H-A-M-P-E-L apostrophe S, and then type Hayfield. Uh, all as one word, um, it should pull up where he's just started posting other light anomalies that as they happen to oh, him. Okay. So yeah, uh-huh. so you can go there and, and follow him there. But yeah, so that that's really one of those experiences where you just know you're not in Kansas anymore, and that there no. are things mm-hmm. there are things yeah. we just can't that are real, but we but we don't understand their reality. No, I, I'm, I've had orb sightings where I'm at here, and, you know, I, I can clearly remember the entire event, but the adrenaline that was going through me at the time because, like right. you said, you don't expect it. And right. it's like, it, it, this it is, is happening right now. It's happening right now, and you're just, yep. every <laughs> sensory in your body is firing all at once, and... And again, you know, kind of like what you were saying, although you had a little bit more mind about you with camera, me, I didn't even think about taking a picture. It wasn't because I I, I was so busy in the witness process of it all that I didn't even think of capturing the moment with a photograph. Right. That's happened to me, too. Yeah. Yeah. In this instance, I I I was so ready. I had the camera right there. But you do still have to put it up, you know, and... And aim it, and that was right where I got stopped, you know. And of course, once we were all yelling and it disappeared and everything, you know, then I totally forgot about taking a picture. Uh huh. No. You, you know, you don't. The, it's the most terrifying thing 
to my mind is not knowing what it is and what it could mm-hmm. do to you. Mm-hmm. That's it, terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. And I think most every single witness probably feels that way, whether they had seen a UFO or an orb or even a cryptid. Uh, you just you don't know what its capabilities are to you. And if you are actually part of a target of some sort, and it is very terrifying. You know, firsthand, I have not personally seen a cryptid, but I've seen my, you know, small handful of unidentified aerial flying objects. I I don't know what they are, but in in the time in which you witness it, yeah, every sensory is just firing off all at once, and it it is. It's very scary. So I could imagine how the deputies must have felt, you know, just seeing an upright walking canine and or, or a Bigfoot or, goodness me, at, yeah. at it, it a, a green mist. It, and, <laughs> wow. Exactly. It, it just changes, you know, what you know of reality. And I'd like to, to mention, too, if anybody... Um, does by by chance have the Monsters Among Us book? Um, we did another experiment where Lee put up um, a trail camera in about the same spot where we were parking um, with with the colleague, aimed at about the same spot where the carcasses all were, and mm-hmm. where he actually had put another carcass. And um, two years in a row, we got a picture of something black and furry, kind of creeping through the hay at different. At different points and the first one made the book the second one happened after the book was already going to print and I couldn't get it in there but I do have both of them and it's much more impressive if you see them both uh, and about a year apart and there are also accompanying photos of uh, Lee and I took turns going out into the field and doing what we call playing uh, playing Bobo because we would pretend to be you know in the same position at the exact same spot as the creature and then see how much alike we looked at it and compare the sizes. In both cases, ah, right. um, it, in both cases, it was bigger than either one of us. And you could tell that by, you know, just comparing the two. Oh, but um, you, can see, you can see both of them um, co- with the comparis- comparison shots at my blog, which is lindagodfrey.com. You don't need WWs or anything, just lindagodfrey.com. Mm-hmm. And you can find it, you know, in the search um in the search engine there, or just scroll back a little bit. It would have been, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I can give you the date off. off uh, oh, they'll find it. Trust me. Yeah. I'll find it. Yeah. They'll find it. Yeah, not a problem. <laughs> we'll be distracted but, but, by everything else that's there, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but, Linda, but what what is the best way to um, for anyone that wants to purchase any of your books, including Monsters Among Us? Well, I do occasionally make appearances. I'm pretty much done with that for this year, but there will be some upcoming ones you can watch watch on my blog, again, lindagodfrey.com. Um, but you can go also at the blog to my books and bio page, and you'll find a list of all the books and a click to get you started where you can um, go and buy them. Some of them are available in your brick-and-mortar stores, especially Weird Michigan just keeps soldiering on there. That's one. And Monsters Among Us, American Monsters is usually definitely in the brick-and-mortar stores. But, again, you can go online to Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com and find most of them there. Um, and you can also, at 
Also at lindagodfrey.com, you can find a form to write me if you've had your own experience with these unknown upright canines or with um, other strange creatures. I'm always glad to receive those. Uh, And then um, my email is in there too, my newer email address, which uh, if you'd rather, you can just send me an email. Oh, yeah. You know, I I also was kind of taken back when you did your presentation at the Historical Society, and you'd mentioned how many people email you a week with a certain sighting or uh, an experience that they had. <laughs> I, I would have figured, okay, so maybe somebody's like, you know, maybe once a month. It seemed like you were getting hit uh, a few times a week. Is that still the yeah. case? Yeah, um, I generally get, you know, one, usually I, w- I would average it at about one a week. Sometimes it's more. Some Once in a while I'll skip a week. Um, you know, sometimes it's three or four. It depends on what I'm doing, where I've been, and how many people have, um, you know, been in contact with my stories or that sort of thing at the time. But I think that's pretty amazing. That may not sound like a lot, but when you add it up over all the weeks, over all the months of 26 years, um, it ends right. up being quite a bit. You know, and they aren't all equal. Right. Some are just really simple or they're... They seem, might seem kind of off to me, or people might not want them printed anywhere. They, sometimes people just have these amazing stories, and they say, please, but please don't share it. I don't want anybody to, else to hear it, and so I have to honor them and mm-hmm. um, you know, not use them. Right. And then sometimes I get these full-blown, just incredible um, reports that check out in lots of ways, and, and I interview the people and... and uh, go there if I can, if it's within a reasonable range for me. So um, it, it's all pretty interesting. No, it's very interesting. That's that's why uh, Jennifer and myself do this show and why so many of our friends like Shannon LeGrow at Into the Fair Radio does a show like this because it is so very interesting. And, you know, we want to know answers, but then I always ask the question, how much do we really want to know? <laughs> and would <laughs> we be able question. to handle it? You know, yeah. <laughs> well, would and, we actually be know, able to handle it? There may not be. Um, I mean, th- we may not be able to handle everything we get. Maybe there's a reason that we live mm-hmm. at a certain um, set point in the electromagnetic field reality that, that we call um, truth, you know. Maybe there's right. a reason that we're only usually set up to perceive certain things. And when we go out of that mm-hmm. boundary, you just you can't predict what's going to happen. Right. You short circuit and you'll never be the same again. And right. who's to say that, you know, people that have, you know, short circuited and find themselves a complete vegetable, maybe they had that experience and it just was an overload to their brain and their sensory systems. Who knows? It's right. it's a fascinating subject though, but you know, some of us keep seeking the least little bits of answer here and there, but either way. Linda, I can't thank you enough for joining us over at the Caravan Library of Lord tonight. This has been an absolutely wonderful conversation. And, of course, uh, in the show notes below, you will find all of Linda's information along with where to get a copy of her books. Linda, thank you again so very much for stopping by. Well, it was my pleasure. It was my pleasure, and thanks again so much for having me. It was uh, fun to talk about these things. And I do yeah. I do echo your caution. You know, if, if anybody ever feels ill at ease 
or gets a bad feeling about something, just stop. You're not under any um, compulsion by anything in the universe to go beyond your comfort level. <laughs> just, just to Absolutely. see something. Absolutely. You know, because Absolutely. you're much better. You need to protect yourself first, and and yep. uh, you know, I I have a I have a certain level, and I always um, keep at a certain prayer level, and. And I'm very sensitive to those things myself, and I always advise that mm-hmm. to other people. And if you do encounter something, one of these creatures or whatever, um, just treat it with the respect that you'd have for any wild predator, when, especially when you don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Well, those are wonderful words of advice, um, absolutely, and I feel the same way uh, myself. So, yeah, that's a very good piece of advice is to don't push the boundaries more than what it is that you can handle. You may think you might be able to handle more, but don't. You know, careful what you wish for. That's what some people they get do. It. So, you know, <laughs> and, yep. and they do get it. Thank you, Linda. Have a wonderful rest of the night and uh, happy upcoming holidays to you. Thanks, and special thanks to all of your listeners. I really appreciate it. That's very sweet of you. Thank you. From childhood's hour I have not been as others were. I have not seen as others saw. I could not bring my passions from a common spring. From the same source I have not taken my sorrow. I could not awaken my heart to joy at the same tone. And all I loved, I loved alone. Then... In my childhood, in the dawn of a most stormy life, was drawn from every depth of good and ill, the mystery which binds me still. From the torrent or the fountain, from the red cliff of the mountain, from the sun that round me rolled in its autumn tint of gold, from the lightning in the sky as it passed me flying by, from the thunder in the storm and the cloud that took the form, when the rest of heaven was blue, of a demon in my view. Watch your step, let you move on day.